We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hi, hello. It is Josh Bowe, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com, doing a little bit of role reversal with uh, fellow editor Kirk Henderson. It's Mavs Moneyball after dark, after the Mavericks had another thorough ass-kicking. This time, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers were the victim. Uh, Mavs win 143-101 due to some unfortunate unfortunate circumstances. Uh, I will be hosting tonight as Kirk is calling in. Uh, as he is in the wilderness, uh, lost without power, without internet, without the precious necessities for a basket blogger. Kirk, how are you holding out there in the field? I'm good. I'm good. I'm literally in a field um, because of the nature of podcasting is loud. I went outside and took a call with Josh after having followed the game on my phone. That's wonderful. So you've got a lot of expert level insights, um, and I expect uh, premium 100% podcasting effort tonight. Um, but it was it was a fun game. So uh, obviously the Mavericks just decimated another uh, mismatched opponent. You know the Warriors and the Cavs are two of the you know worst teams in the NBA. Although to give the Cavs some credit, they are a little bit more. I would say they're a little more frisky uh, than the Warriors. Um, they've had at least a couple of, of decent stretches of play, even though they're now 4-11. and 11. Uh, Just certainly more than what the Warriors threw out uh, the other night with their eight-man uh, you know, roster for the, for the most part with no Steph and no Draymond. Um, but tonight it was kind of the same story. Um, the Mavericks just got off to a great start behind some fantastic Luka shots, some fantastic Luka passes. Role players uh, stepping up and hitting their shots um, defensively. Uh, you know the Cavs are just you know they've got Colin Sexton and Darius Garland who are their their starting backcourt and they're two uh, their young foundation and you know those guys can be hit or miss. Garland was actually pretty good tonight, uh, but Sexton was wasn't great for twelve oh three from three point line. Uh, and Kevin Love, their best player, only two of eight from the field. So if, if Love isn't going, you know, it's really hard for Cleveland to manufacture a lot of offense. And I think Dallas did a really good job uh, getting out to him, uh, especially, you know, Kristaps Maxi and even Dwight to a degree. 
Uh, I think they did, you know, the, that trio did a collective job against Kevin Love that kind of helped shut the door of any chance of Cleveland making this a competitive game. And then, like we said, on the other end, it's just more Luka brilliance, uh, more role players making their shots. And this is kind of, you know, when the Mavericks role players hit threes, this is what they're capable of. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith, two of four, Tim Hardaway Jr., four of five, Justin Jackson, four of six from three. Uh, when the you know that was the biggest question mark going into the season was how were the Mavericks going to get points outside of Luka and KP and we knew that they were going to get shots because Luka is such a brilliant uh, creator especially if three-point shots it was just hey are they going to hit them and for a little bit of the first week or two of the season it wasn't looking great but uh, this four-game homestand it's been it's been absolutely tremendous uh, anything anything you'd want to add after your diligent uh, game watching tonight Kirk well, I, w- I want to know what – so I'm following along on GameCast and on Twitter. I tried to get what Mobile League Pass to work, but it kept freezing on me. So the first quarter was played relatively tight. What happened in the second quarter where the Mavericks just kind of blew the doors off the cab? Uh, the bench had a tremendous start uh, to the to the second quarter. Uh, the the uh, DeLon Wright-Jalen Brunson combo kind of blew this game open. And when you look at a team like Cleveland, you know – Sexton and Garland are their two guards, and they're very talented. But when you look at the bench, Cleveland just had nothing to match up with with Dallas's deep bench. You know, there's there Cleveland really didn't have anyone of a caliber, uh, you know, of Delon Wright or Jalen Brunson to kind of match them. So when Garland and Sexton hit the bench, it was just a catastrophe for them. Uh, you know, Jordan Clarkson, uh, you know, oh four, and he's not a great defender. Brandon Knight only played six minutes and got absolutely roasted in those six minutes. And uh, Wright and Brunson, they did a great job. Um, it, uh, Wright did a great job getting to the rim. Uh, so did Brunson. They pushed the pace in transition. Uh, when they didn't get a immediate transition uh, opportunity, they used the secondary break to kind of keep Cleveland on their heels. And they really didn't let off. You know, like it, it's very easy for when you – when you're playing a team like this for, you know, to get a little complacent, but Brunson and Wright did not let the team do that. They, they pushed the lead up into double digits. And then by, you know, by the time Luca came back into the game after he sat for the first time, you know, I think they were up like, you know, somewhere between 12, 15 points. And by then it was just Luca shutting the door uh, again on, on another helpless team. So uh, those two guys, I think were really, uh, you know, they only played, Wright only played 20 minutes. Brunson only played 11 but those two guys were instrumental into helping the Mavericks get a win. Uh, and I can't say enough about how good Justin Jackson was in 23 minutes, uh, 19 points. And yeah, he was four, six from three and he hit a couple in garbage time, but he hit some good ones in the first half uh, when the Mavericks needed it. I saw it. the end of, I saw the one, like one of my like 10 second clips that I actually got to work <laughs> on league pass was Justin Jackson hitting a three at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, he was great. Um Missed still, yeah, I think in the first half, I think he missed a couple of a couple of closer ones toward the rim, which has kind of been a bugaboo for him. But he made a couple in in the fourth quarter in garbage time, so it was good. But yeah, with no Seth Curry, um, this is two games now without Seth Curry, and two games with the Mavericks have won by forty plus each time. Uh, so I am very scared because it seems like RIP the dream of Seth Curry starting. Uh, <laughs> I know Rick said the other day that Seth isn't, you know, a player is not going to lose their job to injury or, or illness, which is what Seth has. But Tim Hardaway Jr. has been phenomenal uh, starting 18 minutes, 16 points, four or five from three tonight. Had a good, great game uh, from three against Golden State. 
I don't know what to say. He's. <laughs> I got one more. I got one more thing I want to ask you. So, yeah. like, you know, one of the interesting things, if you're if you're ever on the road, like, following people on Twitter is really a lot of fun. Uh, I end up, you know, even before going to bed, I'll just like lie in bed and scroll my timeline just to see what other people are thinking about NBA games. So, watching the Mavs, or really not watching the Mavs. Your Twitter was a lot of fun, and one of the things you said about Kristaps Porzingis' third quarter, I found really interesting. Could you expound on that? You know, the the one about his assisted buckets. Yeah, he went uh, six to six from the floor, and I believe all three of those uh, shots were assisted. Uh, coming out of the pick and roll, uh, coming off ball, coming off screen. Uh, he had a nice three in transition. He did not have an ISO or a post up, I believe, uh, in in that third quarter. And he just looked so it, – it was night and day difference between maybe the first ha- first quarter and then when he's looked uh, – when he struggled. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can only imagine, you know, his post-up numbers and his ISO numbers were atrocious uh, heading into tonight. And his spot-up numbers weren't great, but um, I think his catch-and-shoot numbers were okay and, you know, much better than obviously his pull-up. Uh, so that I, I think this is the blueprint. I think this is the thing that it's probably tough for Kristaps because he had the long layoff. You know, he he was the number one option in New York. Now he's learning a new role. So, like I said, uh, after the Golden State game, he's like balancing kind of two different parts of his basketball life in terms of adjusting to a new role and and still still having the tendencies from what he was in New York. But I really think the Mavs need to kind of treat KP when Luke is on the floor. They need to treat him kind of like how LeBron and Anthony Davis play, where Anthony Davis is really like a finisher for the Lakers, and LeBron is kind of the the creator, and, and Davis is the finisher. And I know Davis is obviously you know a you know top five player in the league, and he can do things with the ball in his hands that Kristaps can't right now. But in general, you know Anthony Davis is considered one of the best finishers of plays, and that's how he got a lot of his points. And and well, I think it's, really, the, it's interesting that you're talking for, about that. Yeah. Go ahead. It's really interesting that you're talking about that because while I was while I was watching that, I was also following the Lakers game, and Anthony Davis seemed to really find his stroke from beyond the arc tonight against the the Thunder. And I think that that is is you know basketball really much you know uh, there's the numbers don't back this up, but it really feels basketball is very much a game of runs, a game of confidence. You start to see your shot go down, you feel like the next shot's going to go down. And for a guy like Porzingis, I think his confidence, particularly as he's coming back from this sort of you know, this really long layoff. I think getting his confidence up early is really important for the Mavericks. As much as, you know, he might be a really great catch-and-shoot three-point player, which, you know, he is. We know that. But what's easier, a three-pointer or a dunk? And the answer is a dunk. So I really love it when they get him going on the move. It's really exciting. It's also hard to stop. Yeah. Um, and it's – when he is – Screening for Luca, uh, I think Luca had a couple of in the first half where he set the screen and he and he popped, and man, like and Tristan Thompson is the Cavs' best rim protector, and it's basically you're leaving Kevin Love to try to guard Luca at the rim, and it's like there's no chance, yeah. and that's just the luxury Not you happening. have. Yeah, that's the luxury <laughs> you have when you have a guy like KP screening and moving without the ball. The way he can contort a defense without even touching the ball. It's just so nice to see compared to like what you said. He was just, you know, just kind of standing around and then getting the ball with, you know, 10 seconds left on the shot clock and asking him to create. Like that's not something, you know, that is something maybe that you want to ask him to do when he is all the way back. But right now, as I you're think easing, he gets there. Right. Yeah, for sure. As you're easing him back in, like just feed him easy shots. You've got, he's playing next to the best playmaker of his life. 
Um, and he's so good. He's got such a quick release and he looks so much more comfortable when he's kind of moving around and then catching the ball and then shooting right away, not having to make a decision, you know, that's, and that's so much, you know, guys coming back from injury, you know, the thing that it's hard for us to maybe understand is that just because he's back and because, you know, he is moving around and, you know, there's still that mental block a little bit in terms of like trusting yourself and trusting your body, trusting the injured knee that we might not see. And I'm not saying that that's something that Kristaps is thinking about all the time, but when you consider when he gets the ball and these ISOs and these post-ups and, and you can kind of feel like when you look at his, look at his face, when he has the ball for more than a second or two, you feel like he's just kind of thinking through it too much instead of just, you know, letting the ball, letting the play flow through him. And that's why, you know, just keep, you know, keep him moving off the ball and, have his primary directive be like, Hey, when you, we're going to get you open and when you catch, you need to, you know, you need to shoot and score and try to limit the times that he has to think about the next play and uh, just kind of, kind of run the offense more smoothly through him instead of just giving him the ball and, and, and not good positions for him to have to throw up something after a crossover dribble, which, you know, Hey, he's got the talent to do that and he might, and he'll probably get his way there toward the end of the season or next season. But for now, just feed him, just feed him good looks and, and keep him moving off the ball. And that third quarter was like, that's the blueprint. Like if they could copy and paste that third quarter for the rest of the season, really, I think that's going to be the best way to maximize uh, his talent. Um, it's really nice to win third quarters. Yeah, that too. I, I don't know what's, I mean, it's obviously it helps playing, you know, two really bad teams, but Something is, I think a switch has been flipped since that last New York loss. You know, I don't know what's being said in the locker room or, you know, what's being said in practice. But uh, if we were, if we were wondering if the Mavericks would get the message after losing that, that game in New York a week or so ago, you know, because it was an embarrassing loss, you know, and I'm sure the Mavs players would tell you that. Uh, It definitely feels like message received. I mean, you know, beating a pretty good Toronto team uh, and then kind of dispatching of the Spurs, the Warriors and, and the Cavs, you know, I, it's easy to forget because they kind of, they get went down to the wire with the Spurs, but they're on the verge of blowing the Spurs out too. And, and this could have been three straight yep. games of like 25 or 30 point wins. So uh, they, they've taken it seriously and they haven't looked good at home before this homestand. So that's nice too. So uh, it's good to see a, a young team like this kind of coming together and, and figuring out that they need to take care of business. Um, obviously, Luca, Luca looking like a top five player in the world helps. Um, and you know what also helps is playing your best players more often together. <laughs> like I know you didn't get to watch that much tonight, Kirk, but it really feels like they've had a set rotation for you know the last week or so, and it's really starting to feel it. Like especially that bench unit with Brunson and Wright. Like I think these guys are starting to to kind of gel together because they've been playing these lineups more consistently. Yep, yep. This is this has been fun. I feel like I actually got to watch the game now. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's that's perfect. Well, well, I think that's probably. About, I mean, we, we that's about fifteen minutes, and I think that's about it. I don't really have anything else to to note. I mean, when you've got these giant wins, you know, it's kind of hard to. There's nothing really to nitpick. Um, I, you know, I don't know. No. I mean, we got we got an awful afternoon game on Sunday. Um, I have a Luca column coming tomorrow. I bet you'll write something just because you can't help yourself sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's it's, it's fun. Mass content season. This is really this is this has been really fun. Really yeah. fun. And I think the last thing I want, I do want to say before we we head off is that 
they are about to play a brutal stretch of games uh, in the next week. You know, the soft part of their schedule is effectively over. And they're 10 and 5, and there might be, you know, they're playing at the Rockets on Sunday. Then they're playing the Clippers, and they're playing Phoenix, and they're playing Los Angeles. Those are four teams currently in the playoffs that are all playing good basketball right now. And if the Mavericks stumble in these next four games, I think it's just important to not raise any alarms because they took care of business and they did what they needed to do this week so that next week, if they have some stumbles, it is not as big a deal. Like they, this is why you have to win these games against these bad teams, especially at home. And this is how you make the leap from a 33 win team to a playoff team is by kind of taking advantage of these soft part of the schedule. So when you hit these rough patches, you know, if you stumble a little bit, it's not as big a deal, uh, but it will be fun. Hey, I can't wait to see, you know, it feels like a new team since that last loss to New York a little bit. So I'm looking forward to how that matches up against like a elite tier opponent, like the the Rockets or the Clippers. So it'll be fun. Same too. Yep. Yep. Well, All we'll right. probably be back with you guys on Sunday night, I bet. Yeah. So. And it's a hey, afternoon game. So maybe we can, we can get in a little earlier and not have to stay up so freaking late, but so that'll be fun. <laughs> But, uh, All right. Well, thanks, Josh. Yeah, thanks, Kirk. Thank you for joining us uh, in your backyard. Uh, get power soon. Get some sleep. Get some rest. And everyone else, thanks for for tuning in. And we will be back with you sometime uh, Sunday evening. Uh, this has been another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.